Hey, welcome to the Soulful Lounge podcast. I'm Tracy Manu. Together, we'll share conversations with remarkable people from all walks of life. Some have achieved exceptional things, some have triumphed in adversity, others are simply sharing their pearls of wisdom and experience. Their stories will touch you, and the actionable tools and strategies we share will support you to honour the call of your soul and create a life you truly, deeply love. everybody. I'm so excited today to introduce to you a very dear friend and a truly inspirational woman, um, Janelle Brunton Rennie. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Thanks Hi. for being here. Hi. Hey. Hi it's really cool. I've watched you over, you know, the last couple of years more so than beforehand with what you've gone through and um, losing Kurt, your beautiful husband, and I know that lots of people out there are going through tough times, and I've watched you go through this, being very vulnerable and raw and honest, and I've seen the way it has supported people, and so I wanted to get you in here and to chat more about this, because I just know that people are going to get gems from this, and they're going to take it into their own life, and it's going to help them. Um, through whatever they are going through, whether it's loss or other things or other challenges. So first of all, I want you to just tell me a little bit about the journey that you've gone through with losing Kurt. Mm, Okay. Uh, So uh, two years ago, my um, beautiful husband, and when I say beautiful, I, I mean like the, yes, he was physically gorgeous, but internally one of the most beautiful souls I'd mm. ever encountered, like truly a beautiful human, uh, was diagnosed with, out of the blue, uh, with a very aggressive non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is blood cancer. Um, and we also had a four-month-old baby at the time when this happened, and I was uh, running a business still, and there were a lot of balls in the air, and Kurt was actually propping me up, in all honesty. He was, he was keeping everything going, because he was just truly amazing. And uh, I remember getting to the new year, um, and so Sage, just Sage, as our daughter, had just turned four months old. I remember thinking, I've done it. I've, I've got through that 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 fourth trimester that mm. everyone talks about, which yeah. I found extremely challenging because I had two weeks off, and then I was running a business with a baby under my desk. I'm I, I'm feeling good. Um, I was just really excited about the new year, and I thought we've we've got things under control here. And I'm really excited about the year ahead. And I actually went, I remember going uh, to Cornwall Park and sitting under a tree and writing down my intentions for the year and what I wanted to achieve and all of this amazing stuff in this gorgeous uh, journal. So I forget who gave me the journal, but yeah. it was amazing. And, um, and then the next day was our wedding anniversary. And then the next day, Kurt, who was fit, healthy, like the healthiest bloke I'd ever met so in healthy. my life, yeah, yeah. was so, so proactive about yeah. his health as well. He walked out of the shower and he said to me, Jay, does this feel a bit hard? And he was pushing on the area of his stomach, which I now know is where our spleen resides because there's probably not many of us that know mm-hmm. exactly where our spleen is. I said, yeah. I said, baby, you should get to the doctor about that. He said, yep. Anyway, true to Kurt, he, would, he went straight to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that day and it, it unraveled from there life life went from being in my definition of perfect like I had mm. e- I had everything I'd ever wanted and life started to unravel in a moment yeah which 
was I'd never ex- I'd never experienced anything like that in terms of like you know everyone says that life can change in a moment but it seems to kind of throw away sometimes we yeah. don't truly understand it but now I truly understand what that means and from there went to the doctor went to the ultrasound went back to the doctor for the ultrasound results large mass growing on the spleen CT the skit next day and the day after that we found out that Kurt had um, what looked like very advanced cancer and two weeks later he was actually in hospital almost um, almost dead essentially then because it was so so aggressive and this tumour had grown so fast and they asked me if he had a will and they told me as I was standing there holding baby Sage um, it looks like something that um, typically may not respond very well we may not be able to do anything here get you need to get his affairs in order immediately that's crazy that from <clears throat> coming out of the shower and seeming so healthy yeah to two weeks yeah um, and then they wow. they did some biopsies and um, we found out that it, it on paper it was actually a very treatable cancer mm-hmm. and um, we all breathed a sigh of relief and I thought we're, we're going to make this this is just designed to, to crack us open mm, a bit more to, yeah. to, to remind us how you know like this is the universe telling us to to, to do something with this experience I guess um, mm. and uh, it looked it, it looked initially he responded so well and we thought we were through it and at the four four treatment scan it showed that it was pretty much all gone and they told us two more treatments as an insurance policy and you guys mm. are out of here and you're done and we celebrated and we went to Fiji. We came back from Fiji for that final scan. And the scan showed that we weren't done. And mm. at this time there was either three, it might be three tumours or five tumours. And then things unravelled once again very, very quickly because um, Kurt's, the type of cancer that Kurt had seemed to have been able to yeah, override treatment. Or it's very clever and it can morph around mm, treatments and right. change. and. Things spiralled very quickly from there. Um, we went to, we ended up getting a terminal diagnosis here. Managed to get him to Boston for CAR T therapy, which again initially looked like um, we'd we'd done it and it mm. was gone. And then we had, you know, ninety percent of the disease was gone. And then whatever was left there, once again, ended up morphing or doing something around that treatment. Um, and then Kurt passed very very quickly once we got that repositioning scan and we managed to just get him home to New Zealand safely and that happened so I spent the, a full year and it was pretty much a year to the day from Kurt finding the lump that he passed away mm. and then uh, so it was a, a year in grief essentially trying to not grief a fear mm. trying to keep all those balls in the air trying to you know be positive mm. for my husband um, providing for my family by myself you yeah. know because this was Kurt was very unwell and he wasn't able uh, to work and um, and obviously we had a baby Mm. You know, and then uh, the next year was then has then been spent grieving the loss of Kurt, and yeah. dealing with um, all of the emotions that come up on the grief journey, which um, I said to you before. I, yeah. I feel like I've I've tried to approach this this like I'm a student mm. um, of the grief process, and I've tried to lean in and I've tried to to learn from it and to, I guess, become a better human. Mm. Uh, from this experience but also I've been openly sharing this experience in the hope that it can help others going through really challenging times themselves yeah well sorry that was a lot to say but I know I guess I wanted to give a quick background about that two years 100 percent yeah yeah it's it's good to understand and and see what you went through and 
I love how you said about being a student to it. Mm. So leaning into it and learning from it. Yeah. How do you feel that that has helped you by doing it that way? I I am fortunate enough that in the past I have done a lot of self work. Mm. Mm. So I studied mindfulness and meditation and Buddhism and mm. I'd obviously even done a lot of work or some mm. work with you Tracy mm. on life coaching and uh, you know why I do what I do in terms of a business and this sort of thing um, and because of this I had learnt I had learnt some really amazing coping skills yeah. um, for life because of that pre-path right. I also think that my study of Buddhism and meditation meant that I was able often to try and remove myself and to try and see things objectively mm. um, you know just as yeah so I, I think that a lot of the stuff I'd done prior has been instrumental in helping me walk this journey and Kurt and I promised each other when this first happened irrespective of the outcome that we would we wouldn't let this turn us bitter or angry or resentful mm. we want to do the why me's or the why us we would we would approach this journey um, as positively as possible and I guess you hope for the best, mm. but you also have to make peace with what will be will be because you can only do your mm. best. And mm. I, I, I um, read a quote once that said, when God calls a soul home, there's nothing you can really do about it. Right. And, um, yeah. and maybe in this instance, it's a coping mechanism or it gives me peace to know that we, we did everything possible and then some. Yeah. And, yeah. We, and we still didn't come out on the side that we wanted. So I just have to have faith that Kurt was meant to be called home. Yeah, wow. And that he'd done what he needed to do here. That must bring a little bit of peace to you. A little. Yeah. I mean, there's still... It's amazing the number of times people say to me, oh, because I do I do feel Kurt around a lot. Yeah. And I, or I almost feel like I can talk with him. It sounds crazy, but truthfully, it's like I hear him all the time. And um, people always say to me, oh, it must be so... I guess people are quick to try and find the comfort for you. Yes, <laughs> like yes. in that, or, or oh, if you feel him around all the lot, then yeah. it's like, yeah, I'd rather hold his hand. Yeah. <laughs> I'd yeah. rather have him here in the physical. Yes, it's mm. minor comfort that he's uh, around in the non-physical, but <laughs> mm. trust me, you'd mm. still you'd still rather rather have them here, and I'd rather have him here, parenting sage, and so yes, comforting, but not as comforting as I would have anticipated. Mm. Were I looking at someone else on this journey, just like I get people say to me, "Oh, it must be so comforting with Sage because you've got a part of him, and she looks so much like him." And I, yes and no. Yeah. Um, yes, I am. I adore my daughter. Like God, I love her more than anything yeah. in the world. But she looks so much like a dad, and so it's equal part comforting mm. and painful. Yeah. Um, essentially, but I'm sure over time that pain will dissipate, mm. and the comfort will always remain. Yeah. You know, but um, and I'm even seeing that slowly now. I think this pain that's starting to dissipate, and some things that would have brought tears now bring smiles. Wow. That's so that's cool. quite amazing. Like mm. there's a there's yeah there, there's obviously a change, and I'm only a year into the loss of Kurt. Mm. Um, and it can take a very long time yeah. to get through all of that. But I feel like um, I feel like all of a sudden I'm doing pretty good yeah. in mm. terms of my journey after a year. Mm. Um, I find it interesting that like people do want to say reassuring things when someone's going through tough stuff. They like, do. yeah, they people do want to help. And yeah, that's, and that's that's good natured people. That you know, that's good yes. humans. Yes, but there's also that part in ourselves when we want to help, mm. which is I feel uncomfortable in. I say. And there's something going on for me, would you say? What do you mean? So, 
So when um, when someone is going through a tough time, yep. people either avoid and feel uncomfortable so oh, they yeah, don't yeah, get yeah, in contact, yeah. or they try to say good things that will make you feel better, but there's actually this this thing inside them that is coming up. There's been two things. I, can't, I think I kind of get what you're saying. So grief will um, either cause people to run a mile, right. like they don't want yes. you to get their grief on them, mm. your, your grief yeah. on them, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. don't grieve on me. Yeah. Um, but normally that's because... Uh, we, uh, you know, there's that saying we can only meet people as deeply as we've met yes. or are willing to meet ourselves. And in all honesty, I'd, there's a lot of people, uh, most people, I don't think would want to meet themselves this deeply yeah, in this day right. and age. I, I mean, if I could have avoided it, then possibly I would have as well. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a, I've, you don't just grieve the loss of your partner, you grieve the loss of yourself as you knew it, mm. you grieve the loss of life as you knew it, and you actually grieve the loss of a lot of friendships, yeah, wow. which is really fascinating because people can't deal with it, they don't know what to say, and I think they're so terrified of saying the wrong thing mm. that you just don't hear from them ever. Uh, and then the, the flip side of that, though, is that um, other people who either know what, in some way what you're going through... Yeah. Um, or like other people will reach out and and let you know Mm. I understand or I've been there I'm part of this exclusive Mm. club that no one would want to belong to that has lost a a husband with a baby when I was you know young or and so there's a there is um you do make new friendships Mm. as well and you can't again I try to never focus on the positive uh, on the negative you just focus on the positive and you say well I know grief's like this beautiful litmus test that clears out the people that aren't meant to be in your life and welcomes in new people that are meant to be in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think those those people that show themselves are, are people that have already had to meet themselves very deeply. All right. And they're willing to then help you through that. Yeah, yeah. And have you found it easy to, well, not easy, but have you been able to open up and receive that support? No, not at all. Right. <laughs> That's probably not the answer you expected. Um, for me... Grief mm. felt like grief has felt like a very lonely journey, but I must state that that is by choice. Mm. I I have wanted, I haven't wanted to be around other people. I've actually been grief is so tiring mm. when you're getting up at five a.m. with a tiny child and you're running a business. I have been going to bed. I put Sage to bed at seven, and I crawl into bed next door at quarter past seven, and mm. that was the way that life was yeah. for probably the first ten months of the grief journey. I was just so tired mm. and all of my resources were going to being a mum or a businesswoman so I could provide the best life for my baby right um so no it was lonely because I I I felt like I needed to honor it felt authentic to me to honor it that way right it felt like I wanted to be alone it felt like I didn't actually have the energy to not be alone because mm. I was so tired mm. and it felt like on, something that only I could really um hold my own hand through Mm -hmm. because I had too many people say things to me and again people try to they try to empathize but when someone says oh I know what you're going through I lost my cat recently or Mm um when there was there was too much of that I actually found when people were trying and yes grief affects everybody differently and there are all different levels of grief and you can't compare the loss of uh, someone's grief versus your grief, but I, I would find that it would almost, um, <laughs> it brought out a, a little bit of anger, I guess, within me. Mm. That, And then I had to remind myself that, look, 
everyone's doing their best yeah. and again they can only meet you with the depth with which they've had to experience this emotion and that's mm. okay mm. but it was better for me to then not have to have the loss of my husband compared with the loss of their pet mouse or yes. something even though I knew it was well intentioned yeah, yeah. so for me uh, solitude actually seemed like the best place for me to navigate the really tough stuff in mm. all honesty wow yeah um it's it's only been a year mm-hmm. is there anything that you think that you would do differently not at all wow that's good eh not at all yeah. i throughout kurt's journey we did everything mm. we could we had the very best conventional and integrative natural medicine mm. um we spent a fortune and i'm so grateful that we were able mm. to be able to throw everything we possibly could at that i mean even to go to boston uh, and the amount of money that car involves was um, tremendous yeah but i'm so grateful that we were in a position yeah. to be able to 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 get him the very best treatment in the world because i can genuinely look sage in the eye and tell her that mummy did everything yeah. everything there was we had there was not another single thing we could have done mm. to try and overcome that uh, and then with the grief process no I've shared the ups and the downs people talk about social media being people's highlight reel my Instagram is not no, my highlight I, reel yeah. my Instagram is a very genuine uh, snapshot on a almost daily basis of the journey of grief and the ups and downs and the highs and the lows um, and doing my best to just honour and navigate those mm. in every way I can. Mm. And I guess the thing that keeps me going and keeps me sharing is the huge number of messages I get now yeah. from all around the world wow. from people that have been navigating not just grief but challenging times mm. um, and either saying to me, you know, when I, your posts remind me, I, I had one the other day. I just had a fight with my husband and uh, and I was actually sitting in my room and I actually found your Instagram and I was oh, reading wow. through your Instagram and she said, and I'm sitting here bawling my eyes out and I'm about to go and make amends with my husband mm. because it puts everything in perspective and I'm just so very grateful, which is a real gift for yeah. me to be able to impact the way that people choose to live their lives now. Mm. But then I've had so many other people who have suffered immense loss um, reach out to me and just thank me for either being able to put their feelings into words mm. uh, or for making them feel not alone in the journey because you don't know too many you know mid 30 something widows but like it, it's not mm. there's not it's not a, a common group of people no. mm. and I guess sometimes there's mm. uh, there's camaraderie and knowing that you're not the only person to have to walk this journey and that you will get through it mm. and you, you know um so yeah, does that answer the question? I kind of forget what it was, but I, kind of, <laughs> I just keep changing it's it. It's all perfect. It's all flowing beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I had a question I was going to ask. Um, <laughs> it's gone. gone. And, and, <laughs> oh, now I remember. Oh, good. So yeah, it always comes back in the end. So um, it wasn't really a question. It was an ob- observation mm. of when I'd pop in and read your Instagram. Mm. What I thought was there was um, healing going on in a in a collective way yeah um for no so one many talks people about grief right yeah no one no one uh, it's like we have to grieve privately mm. that's what society has mm. has grief is something that should be done in private um, and also grief is very unpredictable so mm. as someone going through um, what can only be described as navigating a nightmare and I don't say that lightly mm, I yeah. I also have been 
I have been shocked at how painful grief is. Mm. And I had a year of when Kurt was going through treatment thinking, if the worst case happens, will I be okay? Mm. You know, like, mm. so you even think about how it might be. And I can tell you hand on heart, it is so much <laughs> more immense than I even had the, pos- the, the, the ability to fathom. So grief has really surprised me. The pain of losing somebody like that has surprised me. And I've just recently started to see a grief counsellor because I wasn't ready until Mm, now to mm. do that. Um, But I've I've actually managed to walk myself through a lot of things. And Mm. I've shared that, um, that, you know, sharing that collective grief thing. I've managed to to, to, to read the books and share the books that have been helpful and, mm. and do you know share the helpful things and the emotions that arise and how I'm trying to honor and work through them and uh, all this sort of stuff but the, I wasn't ready for the grief counselor yet and the reason why I started to see that grief counselor is there's two things in my grief journey now that I've identified that I don't know if I have the tools mm. to be able to work through myself and I also know that these are things that are very important that I work through and release in mm. terms of my own future physical and emotional health yeah and one of them is trauma mm. and trauma is something that I've never experienced before I'd never seen anything really traumatic mm. it's not something that I and I actually underestimated trauma I've I'd heard of post-traumatic stress disorder I'd mm. heard of all these things but I didn't know what that would feel like or what it would be mm. but I guess watching your um your soulmate die in front of you in a very painful way there's mm. I've had people oh was it peaceful no no mm. absolutely not uh in in some instances watching someone pass is very aggressive and very confronting and very painful mm. and that was unfortunately my experience but I'm grateful I was there or I would look back and wish that I had been yeah. so again you talk about regret I don't yeah. have any mm. I walked it all doing exactly what I felt my intuition told me to do at the time and as always your intuition doesn't lead you astray um and so the trauma which I'm talking which I'm working through now um and the guilt and the other thing that people don't really talk about with grief or you wouldn't understand how the two go hand in hand guilt and grief walk with each other and the guilt morphs along the grief journey Mm -hmm. so initially the guilt is did I have a part in this yeah how did I fail him as a wife? Was I not feed, were I not feeding him enough vegetables? All of this, this stuff that is completely ridiculous. But when you're grieving, there's there's this immense guilt that happens mm-hmm. where you feel, I felt like I'd failed my husband. I felt like it was my job. I'm from a traditional family, so it was my job to look after his health. Yeah. And how did I fail him like this? How did I not see any signs sooner? Not that there were really Mm. or any symptoms that Kurt had would be totally explicable to other tiny things there was no big signs or symptoms or anything it was completely out of left field but there's this constant guilt and then the guilt morphs over time and for me now that guilt I've made peace with all of that stuff the guilt is now um, the prospect of letting go and moving on Yeah, And, and I actually feel like I need someone to talk me through um how that will go, mm. and how I will be able to move on um, without this immense guilt. Because I have spoken to people who have lost um, their their soulmates, their mm. you know their, um, and I, I've got one friend who eight years later is still still has immense guilt wow. um, that he's living without his wife. Gosh, um, and I don't want to do that. No, you know, I, I want to try and make peace with it uh, sooner rather than later because 
you can't run from grief mm. so I feel like you either deal with it now or you deal with it in the future but you you can't run and hide from it mm. you've got you have to for me it's important anyway I don't want to tell anyone how to grieve but it's been important for me to honor it in the moment so that in the future I'm able to move forward again knowing that I did my best with that I did my best to learn the lessons I did my best to honor that in the present moment and I and I hope then that I can move forward without um, guilt or anger or what ifs or resentment or any of those things that are very very common in this process. Mm. You mentioned earlier before we started doing this podcast that you have struggled to open up to friends about mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. It was actually interesting for me to even like I knew that that's what I'd been doing, but you know when it hits the oxygen, you're mm. like, oh, actually this is. Um, so we talked about solitude and mm. mental work. You, I, I guess, because I'm a a, a very um, energy driven person and mm. I'm a very sensitive person to other people's energy, um, and I was very aware of how heavy the grief energy was that I was carrying around and mm. and frustrated sometimes that I I couldn't let it go or I mm. couldn't just positively think it out. Well, you know, like grief's a process and you can't hurry that process. You just have to honour it. And for someone like me who's extremely positive, Mm. it was frustrating uh, at times that I couldn't just choose to to be happy right now. Or, you know, like it's not a a choice rather. It's just a choice to try and uh, do the journey as best as you can and as positively as you can. But you can't just put your positive pants on and walk out the door like you can with other things. Yeah. Um, Anyway, the, the... the reason I think, I, other than tiredness, a lot of it was a very um, lonely journey for me, was although I had friends who wanted me to talk to them and who wanted me to open up to them, like yourself, mm-hmm. and who would remind me, I'm here for you when you need to talk, I was very aware of not putting that energy onto them. Mm. I was very aware that this this heavy, this this immense heaviness that I'm carrying I felt like it would be unethical for me to put that onto anyone else. Mm. I, I'm aware of, um, I guess I'm mindful of the energy that you bring into the room. I'm mindful that um, I like people to leave feeling better than when mm. they, you know, like I, I'd like them to come for a coffee with me and, and feel better when they leave than when they arrived. And if I sit there and, and they say to me, how are you? And I tell them really how I'm doing, in mm. no way is that going to be the case. And it may not just take them an hour to brush off that energetic um dump essentially that you take on somebody it might take them days Mm. and for me that didn't feel very ethical and it didn't feel very conscious and I didn't want to do that to people especially my friends Mm. so I guess I in not speaking about it with people it was me making a decision not that I didn't want to speak with them about it but that I didn't actually want them to feel how I was feeling Mm. more so than anything yeah I kind of wanted to protect people from from the, the depth of that pain, and that's truly what it is. It's this immensely deep suffering, like you didn't, for me, I didn't believe it was possible to hurt that bad. Yeah. And I didn't want to put that onto anyone else, so yeah. I didn't. No. But again, uh, I've started seeing this grief counsellor, mm. and it's easier for me to talk to her. Well, it's only my second session on Friday, I'm not yeah. going to sound like I'm a grief counsellor professional here <laughs> seriously I've only had the one but what yeah. I found from last week was I it was a place where I could I, I this woman is is being paid to hold space for me to talk about this stuff mm. and so I didn't feel irresponsible 
and sharing mm. all of that horrible stuff. I didn't feel irresponsible in talking her through the trauma of what I actually witnessed. I didn't feel irresponsible in giving her that energy, I guess, because it's what she does and she's a professional and she'll be able to mm. work through that the way she did, the way she will. Or So I think actually now that I'm ready to see a counsellor, I think it's going to be very helpful because I'll be able to get my words out yeah. knowing that I'm doing it, um, not energetically hurting a friend mm. for some time before they can then pull themselves back up out of that hole, essentially. Yeah. yeah. It's such a hard concept to, to take on because me I'm just going no you can share that with me you know but I have never experienced what you've experienced so I don't know what it's like to feel that and in truth before this happened to me I would have felt exactly the same way I would have been if it was another friend Mm. and again I would never wish this upon anybody but if I'd watched a friend walk my journey I would have tried to be there for her as much as possible and I would have I guess I would have wanted her to open up and share that. Yeah. Um, and I would have told her that I can handle it. And yes. I, it's a safe place. And I, I, I get you it. You say all the right words, eh? Yeah. I get it. I mm. totally get it. And, mm. and, it's, and it's not from a... It's actually from a place of genuinely wanting yes. to be... To, to love and, and assist and be of help. 100%. Um, but mm. I guess this, this kind of, as I mentioned, this kind of emotional suffering is something that I, even I couldn't fathom or comprehend. And even now it still um, floors me mm. how painful it actually is yeah. um, wow. and I just I wouldn't wish it upon anyone in the world and I try not to think about the fact that unfortunately we are all going to have to grieve this deep at some stage mm. yeah. um, and if we do manage to escape grieving uh, like this uh, we either one maybe we didn't open ourselves up enough to love and truly you know Mm. truly love on that immense human capacity that we did like I don't think we should protect ourselves and love less so that we don't have to grieve like this like you know there's that saying to to love deeply means that one day you also will likely have to grieve as deeply yeah it's it's true Mm. Um, but then again if sharing my journey and what helps me on that is so I can help others in the future navigate this immense pain Mm then in some way, in some tiny way, it makes it, it doesn't make it worth it, but it makes it not all in vain. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And you've also mentioned um, anxiety is something that's showing up during this process. Yeah, this is quite fascinating. So anxiety was never uh, something that I had really experienced, Mm. not on a... uh, like, yeah, we get anxious about a, a job interview in yes. the past or whatever, but anxiety was not something that had plagued me on a daily basis to the the way that it had over the last couple of months. Mm. And it was it was actually fascinating and, um, and so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Um, and they talk about anxiety coming from a fear space and being fearful of the future and these things. And I, I couldn't really understand that because in all honesty, I... I'm not fearful of the future, mm. but I had this immense anxiety going on, and uh, I mentioned, did we mention about the meditating, or was that pre? Uh, pre, yeah. Okay, so I, one of the things I told Tracy about that I'd found fascinating recently was I've only just been able to start meditating, mm. and for someone who had a regular meditation practice, BC, like before mm. the cancer, um, I, I couldn't do it throughout the I I guess throughout the cancer journey there was uh, I would intermittently get back into it 
but in the grief journey I have not been able to meditate at all and it's because what I was feeling inside me was so immense that I couldn't meet it Mm. I actually couldn't meet it Mm. I couldn't I couldn't allow that I had to protect myself from it at all costs and know and I knew I've tried to follow this journey very intuitively and I knew when the time is right I will be able to answer that calling again mm. but initially with with early grief or and some people would say oh, I am still in early grief and again everyone's grief journey is different but with the very early grief that first six month stuff the drive to mask how I was feeling any and every way possible was so immense I couldn't believe it mm. I couldn't I had to have the television on or there had to be I had to be on social media or um and I, I've never been that person. Mm. Like it was, it was unbelievable. It was really the drive to drink, and I hadn't drank. I, I hadn't drank alcohol in three years, mm. and I hardly, I've hardly drank in the last year because I knew that that would not be a safe yeah. way to be dealing with this and to be numbing or masking mm. this process. So I didn't. Um, anyway, I, I noticed this anxiety in the last couple of months, and I, it was very foreign to me, and I didn't really know what to do about it. But at the same time, I guess that call to meditate um, returned in the Mm. last it's only been the last two or three weeks and so I have actively started I kind of just term it sitting with myself because it feels I think meditation is this big scary word and people go I can't do that or whatever but meditation is essentially just sitting with yourself Mm. um, or people call it a conversation with the soul Um, but it's still in yourself and being quiet enough to feel and then when you get into this feeling space all of a sudden it's like the answers come to you like Mm. this it's like you're just channeling the divine or something right Mm. so because of this anxiety in the last two months I've been able to honor this call again to meditate and and I've been able to cope with what I've been feeling as well there's so I I, um yeah it's it's been again it's a path and a journey and you can't rush or hurry it Mm. but I'm very grateful that that call has come back up and I actually think it's helped me immensely with that anxiety um, that had crept into my life. I also feel like I probably, um, I was facilitating um, some friendships that probably weren't the greatest for me. And it's Mm. amazing how someone like me, I always feel like, well, I will hold my energy and I won't let you affect my energetic space. And Mm. I was helping people and, you know, but essentially, that stuff will wear you down over yeah. time too. So I had to make a decision to choose me, yeah, nice. uh, and and then removing myself from some of uh, that toxicity. I feel like the anxiety has also dissipated immensely as well. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Like like anxiety can be intuition, eh? Saying we're off track or something's not right or you're not you're not honouring yourself here. Yeah. You know, my intuition knew that I. That the yeah what was going on but I was like no no but I'm helping people mm. I'm helping someone or you know but um at the end of the day because uh, I'm a very loyal person and I like helping people but I've really learned over the last few years that then your loyalty has to come firstly to you yeah you have to be loyal to you and you have to honor what's good for you before you're able to help others um and so I had to make some calls yeah. recently um, that, 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 that brought it back to me and in honouring me and doing what was best and just for me in the present moment. So I have actually been able to, I feel a lot better. A lot mm. of that anxiety has dissipated. And I said to you before, mm. in the last couple of weeks, I feel like I've had a real energetic shift mm. happen for me. January was a very, very tough month, uh, far harder than I anticipated it would be. 
Um, and I talked about that frustration mm. because you want to be able to put your positive pants on and think, you know, I shouldn't be feeling like this now. It's, I've got the years, the year behind me, and I, and it just hadn't lifted. And I was, and again, you've got to remind yourself patience, which has never been one of my stronger virtues. Mm. Uh, and then, mm. and then February, I've um, something's happened. I just I feel lighter. I've started to feel more like myself. Mm. Um, like I'm kind of coming home to myself, although um, an even deeper deeper version of of who that was or who I am Um, and I've had a few people in the last fortnight say to me you've got this light that's returned to your eyes that you haven't had in the last um, couple of years and I can understand that too because I can feel it Mm. I I can feel that there's life one of the quotes that someone shared with me recently uh, which is I, I felt it was very accurate to me was when you're going through immense grief or, or going through something um, very challenging um, you just have to keep living until you start to feel alive again mm. and I feel like in the last yes. two and a half years I've just been in survival mode trying to keep my head above the water trying to, to to do what I can to, to be the best mum I can for Sage mm. and initially trying to keep my husband alive and then trying to grieve appropriately the loss of that. Um, and I feel like now I'm moving through that survival mode or that just keeping living mode yeah. into a mode where I'm starting to feel alive again. And that will take time and I'm mm. aware of that. But it's like this little glimmer of hope. And I think when you're going through anything challenging you hold on to those glimmers of hope mm. you know you you go for you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel when you remind yourself of that whenever you need to yeah. so it's nice to feel that little sparkle that's just there every now and again um it's cool it's me it's the old me you yeah. know it's the it's yeah. like there you are <laughs> Aww, that yeah. puts such a smile on my face too yeah oh to me don't worry me too yeah. <laughs> like the relief is immense because yeah. i think sometimes when you're going through it you don't know I honestly remember thinking, will food ever be appealing again? Mm. I couldn't eat. Grief was very nauseating for me for the first part of it. Um, Will I ever laugh again? Will I ever smile again without feeling guilty? Mm. Because there's a guilt attached with being happy or feeling happiness when you're going through grief. Yeah. Um, Such waves, eh? It's amazing. It's it's the most... um, It's a fascinatingly painful experience. Mm. Uh, But you learn a lot about yourself. Um, at the same time and um, yeah anyway it was it's a relief mm. it, it is a real relief to be able to um, I think I've started like I'm not I'm not a funny person but I actually think I've started maybe having a bit of sense of humor return mm. because your sense of humor goes you actually can find offense in a lot of things mm. if you're um, when you're going through that grief process and you have to remind yourself you know Again, no, everyone's different, and yeah, doing the best. But you can actually yeah. find immense offence in so many things, mm. and I feel like I'm getting my sense of humour starting to return. Which again, there's just relief would be probably be my key, my buzzword. Yeah, over the last couple of weeks, like oh gosh, I um, I feel like I'm coming out the other end, or maybe I'm coming out of my chrysalis and drying yeah. my wings or something. I don't know what it is, but there's certainly been this shift, this energetic shift that um, is very encouraging. Yay. Yeah. 
Gosh, that's good, definitely. I want to just go quickly back to the whole meditation thing because I know a lot of people say, um, oh, I can't meditate, my mind's way too busy or I can only listen to... (laughs) Well, if you're telling yourself that, that's your problem. (laughs) However you speak to yourself, you will believe it. Number one, don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) And then then they say, um, oh, I can only do guided meditations. Um, And so... Sure, I get that. Yeah. I, um, I I tried to do some guided meditations. Um, I have an app that I use actually called Buddhify. Mm. Um, B-U-D-D-H-I-F-Y. I've bought many uh, meditation apps and I still believe Buddhify to be the most effective app I have mm. on my phone. Brilliant. I think it's like eight ninety nine, which it's worth every every cent. Yeah. I can't even, I can't stress this enough. And it's it's this wheel. And you can go in and choose what emotions you're feeling mm. and break and then it will help you through those different emotions. Yeah. Or it might be that you're in a waiting room or you're like it's it's just amazing. I can't stress it enough. I, I definitely think there's a space for guided meditation. Yeah, yeah. Um, particularly if you're having a problem getting to sleep or yeah. something, that can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. I also think it's a great entry point into meditation. Mm. But I do also think that in order to truly get that benefit of meditation where I, where I mentioned it being like a conversation with the soul mm. um, that requires stillness mm. and, and quiet um, and I've actually told people this before and it's this really cheesy way of describing how I started meditating but I truly believe it's very helpful um, for anyone that's a, a bit older and listening to this you'll get <laughs> this there was a, sh- a game show called Bruce Forsyth and the Generation Game and they do you remember that show? <laughs> no, and, I don't. Okay, it was an English show. And they had this travelator that would go along in front of the contestants and the travelator would be full of all of these consumer items. Ah. Microwaves and TVs and la la la. Yes. And you'd have to watch everything go past and then you had like sixty seconds to remember everything that went past mm-hmm. and you won whatever you recalled, right? Ah. I can't believe I'm even giving this <laughs> as an example, but bear with me. <laughs> so what I do or the way I started when I meditate and how I've actually um, rediscovered meditation now mm. is I actually sit myself down and I look at what I imagine to be the travelator. Right. So automatically I'm separating myself from my thoughts because my thoughts are on this travelator and I'm watching it go past me and I just watch the thought and then I watch it fall off the end of the travelator. Oh, I love it. And the next thought comes up and I kind of just watch it. I don't try and, oh no, you shouldn't be thinking. You're meant to be meditating. Don't do that. Yeah. Just watch your thoughts go past. To start with, you've already disassociated uh, disassociated yourself from your mind. Yes. So you are now objective to your mm. thoughts by putting them on this travelator. And then you mm. are watching your thoughts go by and just drop off the end of it. And what you will find is that the travelator becomes less and less full. Mm. And before you know it, there's only a couple of items on it. And then before you know it, there'll be moments where there's nothing on it at all. And that for me is the easiest way that I taught myself or the easiest way that I meditate and that I, uh, it works for me, you've got to find what works for Mm. you. But the, the biggest thing is that you've disassociated from your thoughts because you're not your thoughts, yeah. you're not your mind. 
you're 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 a being you you're a soul mm. and our brain is a muscle mm. essentially and we can train our brains to work for us just like we can train a muscle at, at the gym mm. um and True. that's a very powerful notion in itself knowing that we can train our brains the way we train i i used to do a lot of, i'd still do a lot of gym training so the yeah. way i train my bicep or my quadricep i can train my brain mm. um, but disassociating yourself from your brain and knowing that you're a soul mm. who has a brain is really, really uh, transformative in itself. And then just watching it become still because you're watching those thoughts go along in front of you and then they kind of dissipate. Yeah. So I think that, that that's, that's, that's pretty much how I start my meditation every time is yeah. I just slow myself down, I remove myself from my thoughts and I watch my thoughts become more and more calmer and stiller until in moments there are no thoughts mm. and then when a thought comes up I don't berate myself for it I simply just dismiss it mm. like okay there's a thought all right like you don't you can't oh I'm thinking oh well, this is ruined blah, blah, blah. it's not the case like, no. even seasoned meditators still have to be disciplined enough to identify when thoughts arise and to let them dissipate Mm. So um, it feels peaceful yeah. just thinking about that when you're explaining it. Like I Good. could just feel myself. It's actually, yeah. it's been a very Relaxing. powerful concept for me, mm. and it works for me. Mm. So if you're someone that has struggled with meditation, don't think of it as being scary. Mm. Think of it as sitting with yourself and having a conversation with your soul, and knowing that it's when our mind is still and there's no thoughts on those travelator and the travelator that the answers just come to us. Yeah, it's like this divine. Yeah. And you actually just, oh my God, oh, oh wow. I got it. I, and, and the most phenomenal things come mm. to us in those moments of silence. And that's why I called it a conversation with your soul. Mm. Because you have to be very still to be actually able to receive then those yeah. messages. And that's why meditation is so important for all of us, I yeah. think. But it's a skill that takes time to develop. Um, but it's definitely one worth putting the time in and yep i'm all for guided meditation apps mm-hmm. but i still think there's um there's more work to be done from there yeah in terms of that stillness that i just spoke about yeah i hope beautiful. that's helpful for someone so helpful <laughs> absolutely it reminded me of how um because i like to imagine sitting on a mountain right and i'm looking down mm-hmm. at it all and just noticing it all and then i realize that ah, again, i'm not that yeah exactly same thing you're disassociating yeah. from your thoughts yes so anything that works for you Mm. to give you that um objectivity on your own mind is really powerful because i used to identify entirely with my mind Mm. as far as i was concerned i was my mind but i was in my ego and i wanted my labels and i'd trained my mind with this with schooling and degrees and this and that like i was in my ego when i identified myself as my mind Um, whereas now that I know that I'm not my mind my Mm. mind is this wonderful tool that I have trained very well Mm. but but I'm a I'm a soul Mm. having a human experience um I don't I don't I I now know that I'm not my mind yeah I don't want to get too woo-woo on people but I love the woo-woo yeah okay good some people would be going cross-eyed thinking oh my god what is up with this woman but truthfully like it's it's that what you describe with the mountain is exactly Mm. the same sort of rationale behind disassociating with your thoughts yeah. and seeing them for what they are and observing you're observing your own thoughts essentially mm. and I think when when we do come from this sort of goes around to the start again when we do realize we're a soul having a human experience and one way we do that is by looking at the experiences we go through and seeing how we can lean into them and learn from them and grow and all that mm-hmm. I think it, it doesn't make life easier 
or maybe it does. It means that we're able to embrace the challenges. Yes, that's knowing, it. Knowing that, um, and I've spoken it's about this on my Instagram many times. Mm. I, I've, I even, I, I'm all in. Like mm. I'm not, I don't want to protect myself. I've experienced this immense suffering mm. and I don't want to protect myself from it because I feel like there's so many gifts in grief mm. and the gifts at the moment from from grief for me is truly appreciating that in any moment mm. life can change. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and being very grateful for life in itself. I'm very aware of the, my heartbeat within my chest because I actually felt Kurt's heart stop. Wow. So I'm very aware of that thud in my chest that means I'm alive. I'm very yeah. aware of drawing breath because I watched him stop breathing. Yeah, wow. So I'm very aware of the fact that I'm alive. I'm very aware that life's a gift and in any moment that can be taken from us mm. or from someone we love. Mm. So don't, don't have terse words with somebody and leave on that. Mm. Don't, you know, or Kurt and I, every single night we would give ourselves, uh, give each other a kiss goodnight before we went to bed. Mm. Every night. We never, ever went to bed angry. We would talk it out. We, I feel like we lived in a really beautiful way before mm. this journey anyway. Yeah. But this mm. just really um, amplifies and magnifies. Grief magnifies so many things. And it's around living a life that, knowing that we're all, you know, death is actually the only certain for all of us. Mm. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Mm. We just, it's something that we have to make peace with. And when we do, I actually think there's a lot of gifts from that, yeah. knowing that no one's getting out alive. Yeah. Um, we've all got, you know, we're all here to do what it is our soul contract, you know, what soul contracts we made are there to do um, and, and to truly make the most and to truly live and to surround yourselves with really amazing humans that encourage you to be your very best and do your very best yeah. and to make sure every day that you're doing things that genuinely make your eyes, your eyes light up and your heart smile yeah. because life's too short to be doing, to, you know, to spend your days doing things that don't do that yeah. um, and one of the things I'm very grateful for is that Kurt lived a huge life anyone that knew Kurt will know that man had backpacked the whole world he had he had lived a huge life in mm. his 41 years and I am so very very grateful that he did because he packed a whole lot in there mm. um, and, and you know and that's a it's an example to all of us you know we, we've got a lot of life to live and we never know uh, we, you know what's in store for us so mm. we've got to live in a way um, where if I don't know if, if, if anything ever if we ever got bad news we can genuinely I'm more inspired to live fuller yeah so that if you know I can actually say you know what I, I had a good life mm. I gave it I gave it my best shot I for me the thing that came up then was I did my best to help people or I did my best to be my best human and help others be their best humans yeah and that's obviously one of my callings is to facilitate that I don't know so yeah beautiful I love that and I want to um when you talked about Kurt I, it reminded me of when I first met him and I don't know whether you remember this but you introduced me to well. no earlier yeah earlier it was ah. um I had come oh, that was when I first met Andy Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was when you first met yeah, Abby. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I had been around at your house. We were doing coaching. Yes. And um, he came back from work. Yeah. And uh, he walked in the door and you said, oh my God, you're going to get to meet him. Because you hadn't been with him that long, I don't think. And mm. and he walked in and he was this big energy. Oh yeah, he's beautiful. He is gorgeous. Yeah, he's a smoking hot babe. <laughs> yeah, but what I noticed was his beautiful smile and Everywhere. his eyes. Hey. He just lit up a room. Yeah, like he would he did. enter a room. And he had no mm. ego. This was from a no mm. ego place. He just had this 
million dollar smile yeah. like and he just you just felt this energy radiating yeah. off him and it was uh, it was it was just um immense to be around and not in an overwhelming way no. in a beautiful grounding supporting way he was when he would have a conversation with someone he was truly present yeah that's he was what I asking noticed. them questions and was mm. truly engaged in them he was never looking around the room for yeah. what, he was that guy that made everyone feel special effortlessly because that's who he was and that's really powerful yeah. because a lot of people most people don't do that no Kurt was that guy he yeah. was he was in the moment he was he had this beautiful energy and he was just he was always so happy and fun he was fun he yeah. brought a lot of fun into my life because I wouldn't say I'm a very fun person mm. Kurt reminded me to have fun and to not take things so seriously like the way he lived was a lesson a lesson to me for those seven years we were together it really was mm. Wow. He really lived life in a very special way. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely it was a genuine humbleness about him. Yeah. And yeah, when we spoke, he was right there. Absolutely. He yeah. He was a pretty he was a pretty uh, awesome human yeah. guy as he was. And you were just um you were glowing and looked so proud. <laughs> when you, you know how yeah. people say, Oh, when you know you know. Yes. And I was just going, yeah, whatever. But when Kurt and I met, yeah. We knew within a week wow. that we were going to marry each other. Wow. And that had never happened for either of us before, but we just knew. Like, yeah. he was my best friend. We did everything together. Yeah. He, um, We were very much yin and yang and complement each, each other perfectly. Mm. Is that, you know, like, mm. it's a, so to lose something like that is, um, yeah, as I said, very, very painful. But yeah. also... I focus on the fact that I was very fortunate to have found such a beautiful love for yeah, that seven years. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all oh, of this. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. I've really enjoyed, I've learnt more. You've actually opened my heart more and reminded me to, you know, to, to love what I have and to be really, really grateful. Yeah. And appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Hug your humans tight, guys. Yeah. Absolutely. Keep your special humans close and just love on them so hard. Mm. <laughs> thank you. All right, thank you. Okay, bye. See ya.